Welcome to this episode four, thir- episode 34, I didn't put my teeth in, of Re-Educating Dad, the talk show which does exactly what it says on the tin. Yes, folks, it's the cross-generational talk show where yours truly, that's big tone to you, where I get to have my 65 years of experience and education re-engineered by my 30-something daughter, Tony. Isn't that right, little Tony? But 30 what, Dad? <laughs> 30 something. 30. <laughs> well, Hello, I want, it's an easy one. I didn't, want to, I didn't want to, you know, be indelicate. I wanted to leave a little vagary in there, you know? Yeah. Now, as Hello. You, yeah, welcome. Uh, as you know, dear listener, this is a podcast where we look at important issues of our time from a cross-generational point of view because people's opinions tend to be significantly influenced by when they were born. Today on the show, Little Tone and I, who co-host this show, are delighted to be joined once again by my grandson, Ben, who turns 18 tomorrow. Happy birthday for tomorrow, Ben. <laughs> thank you, thank you. And for those of you who will uh, see this uh, recording of uh, this uh, episode on video, you will see that Ben looks like a real professional podcaster. Um, Hopefully I sound like it as well. (laughs) (laughs) You certainly do. Your your setup now matches the intellectual um, contribution that you make. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> thank you so that's that's great you sound great and there's a little tone you'll see is adorned with a christmas tree behind her and i'm in a bare office <laughs> <laughs> so um you both upstaged me well today uh it so suits 2020 sorry say that again i said it suits 2020 to not have a christmas tree right now yeah that's true uh sadly (laughs) and that's really the topic of where we where we are what we're going to talk about today is a bit of the sadness of this uh, christmas sad side of this christmas um we started this podcast little tone and i did back uh, when the uk first went into lockdown in march that seems a whole long time ago now and now here we are it's nearly christmas 2020 and the question we wanted to, uh, well, we, the title of this episode is Tears and Vaccines. The first thing we want to consider um, is, has the government made a mistake in relaxing restrictions uh, for Christmas? What do you think, Lil Tone? Yes. I was hoping Would you like me to... Perhaps, <laughs> perhaps a little more detail. I... <laughs> uh, Yes, I think that it's a mistake to relax. Um, I think if the science is saying that the infection rate is going up, which it is, um, then it it doesn't make sense to put people at risk just for a holiday, uh, particularly as it means um, in you know generations mixing uh, and making people that are vulnerable sick. Especially as we didn't break for any other cultural holidays like Eid, <laughs> for instance. Why is it okay to make uh, an allowance for Christmas and not for Eid. What's Eid? Absolutely. Eid is another religious holiday. Oh, which religion is that? <laughs> not mine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm I've ever heard of Eidness. <laughs> is it Eidness? Or? Well, it's, it's not called Eidness. Oh, okay. Well, you've certainly surprised me with that one. Ben, what do you think? 
Um, I don't think we should have uh, relaxed um, lockdown restrictions either. Um, again, with the same point, I think we should always follow what the science says um, in order to save, just save lives, basically. Um, and the science said do not lock down. I also think the vaccine is so close now that I don't really see the benefit in, in risking people's lives right before the vaccine comes out. Um, so in my uh, opinion, it was a mistake. Isn't there an argument, though, that people would have ignored restrictions anyway for Christmas? You yeah, could absolutely. say you you could say that, um, but I think that just because uh, people will ignore it, you you shouldn't just go. Oh well, we we won't make the law then. People will just because there there will be people that will that will follow the the rules just as there will be. And I I would like to think there will be more people that follow the rules rather than people that don't. Maybe yeah, it's a minority. You... But have you seen? Have you seen? The, sorry, have you seen the scenes in the, you know, all the scenes of hundreds of people outside Harrods and, you know, it's still, a, it's still a minority though. I mean, most most people, rational thinking people, are being careful and staying at home. And the people that aren't being careful are the ones that don't have much to worry about or feel like they have strong immune systems. The people that are actually concerned for their health or for their loved ones aren't doing that. So I just think that the, the police should be tougher and should be handing out fines. But in reality, can they really police it? They certainly can police outside of Harrods. I would have thought that was quite an easy thing to do. Well, when you've got hundreds of you know, people, not many resources, what are they going to do? Can't bring out the riot, riot shields and starting hitting no, people with chances? I mean, if they, if they acted as a, it was like a dispersal policy, but they went around saying, you shouldn't be standing here. I'm going to give you a 300 pound fine unless you leave right now. Everyone will be like, oh, crap. <laughs> I, can't, I can't get a 300 pound fine right before Christmas. Well, you know? would they though? I mean, there have been people who've opened their businesses, you know, defiantly with police officers turning up and having to, you know, close them down. And they've, and they've paid for them. Like, you know, there was that, that, there's that restaurant that's, um, is, it, is it Notting Hill that was for Rita Ora? And the yes. restaurant got fined £10,000 and she paid it. I yeah. mean, she put all of her friends at risk. She was publicly shamed and she had to pay a £10,000 fine. I know that £10,000 is probably not a big amount of money to her, but the public shaming is a big deal. And mm. so I think that, you know, they are holding people to account and they're still the minority. What are the Christmas yeah. rules anyway, Ben? Um... The Christmas rules, if I remember, is that you can form a Christmas bubble with either two or three uh, different households. And then you can sort of treat that as as you would um, like a like a sort of like a support bubble that you had that you had um, in uh, lock in lockdown and in the, the tier system, the normal tier system. Um, and then you can. I think. Don't think you can go to um, outings in that Christmas bubble. I think that's purely for households. So it's, it's um, just, that maybe that may be slightly wrong though. So so what happened? So let's just talk about what happened after the so-called lockdown, which I think was a bit of a phony lockdown actually, because I didn't really see much compliance with it. Um, 
you know, the first lockdown, I thought there was quite a lot of, well, there was a lot of compliance. And you saw it even with things like the air. The quality of the air improved dramatically in London. Um, the traffic was almost non-existent. Uh, but this lockdown, it's, it seems to me that it's made, uh, there was, I'd hardly really noticed a difference. Uh, so when the phony lockdown, as I call it, was relaxed, then this tier system uh, came in, which seemed to put a lot of places in a higher tier than they were before they went into lockdown. There's only, I think there's only, there's only three regions, isn't there, that are in, in tier one. That's Cornwall, the Isle of Wight, and where's the, the other one? Isle of something. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, you know, I mean, so the rest of the country's in, in tier two or tier three. Yeah, but the people that are in tier two have mostly been compliant and actually everywhere in the UK, the tier system is going to come is coming down apart from London. So it is working. And I, and I disagree with you that people haven't been compliant. I think the difference was when the first lockdown happened, we all went into complete shock because we've never experienced this before. So we had to put new policies in place. We had to relearn how to do service in a, in a COVID safe way. And the thing is, is now that we we went into lockdown, we reopened in some capacity, and then we've gone back into a lockdown. All of the policies and the COVID safe, you know, um, rules that, that each company followed went into place the first time, they've been able to replicate that for the second lockdown. So I think, in my opinion, it's not that people are being less compliant, it's just that we've learned how to work around, we've learned how to work with COVID rather than just completely go into shutdown, because we can't allow the economy to fall apart because that will just lead to more death. Well, I think so, that was something that I was going to come, come on to, but just, just sticking for the moment with what the, what the rules are. So the, the rules around Christmas, I think it's five days, isn't it, that we've got the, where we will yeah. be able to mix. Th uh, up to three households can mix together. I don't think there's any limit on the number of people, is there? Yes, three Not households. from what I've read. No, not the number of people, Tony. Oh, right. Well, okay. Not from well, what I've I think they're, they're the opening. People will exercise their, you know, their um, what's the word? <laughs> Good sense. Uh, <laughs> reason, reasonable sense. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you would hope that that wouldn't be more than three households anyway. But I mean, it's, it seems silly to me because people, if you give people an exemption period, they're just going to do whatever they want, and the people that are most at risk are definitely going to probably be affected by christmas i would imagine yeah i mean i don't think it i think it's inescapable that if you allow more mixing you're going to have more infections uh on the other hand i do have a lot of sympathy from for the point of view that we've got to give people a bit of a break for the christmas period and remember there are quite not a lot but there are a significant number of people it might be their last christmas you know that there might be especially particularly older people who, uh, you know, it, it's all very well saying, you know, we've got to keep you safe and so on, but you don't want to be kept safe at any cost, that you don't have a life, you don't see your yeah, but what, loved what ones. We should be, what I think that we should be seeing is an exemption for someone to go and spend Christmas with a vulnerable older person. So, for instance, if one of our grandparents was alive and they were on their own, someone would choose to go and spend Christmas with them or like a couple that already live together would choose to go and spend Christmas with them. But they would have to have been exercising 
some restraint in terms of leaving the house for two, three weeks prior to going and spending Christmas Day with them. Mm. It just, it, it seems like absolute nonsense to me. I've, this is like the fifth plan that the government has, has gone on to now. And the problem is, is the guidance is changing all the time that you can barely even stay up to date with what's going on. I mean, we're in tier two now. If we go into tier three, we're going to get a whole another set of rules. And so we're going to have to adjust to another tier. If we drop down to, to tier one, that's better, but there's still going to be some restrictions that we're going to have to learn. It's like nothing is, is clearly laid out or logical uh, to me. Let's talk about this whole thing about the, the economy that you touched on. What do you think, Ben? Because, uh, I mean, you're the, the youngest here, obviously, turning 18 yeah. tomorrow. Um, I mean, this is having a big, a very big impact on your life as a young person at a very crucial age. I mean, you're being quite restricted um, in what you can do. Uh, is it really fair that for a minority of people, so many other people, particularly young people, who are never going to get their young years back again should have their lives so restricted? Well, it's difficult because in my point of view, I, I would, will sacrifice uh, the year or two that we are restricted for uh, saving people, for saving people from getting, get, getting COVID and potentially saving their lives. I mean, it's no, I'm not trying to act like it's a, it's a great thing I'm doing because, I'm really just I'm passively involved by not doing anything. I'm saving, I'm saving people. But in my opinion, I don't feel aggrieved at the fact that I'm stuck at home because I know that there's a reason for it and it's to stop people from getting a virus that could potentially kill them. But there is also the other aspect that, that um, of the cure being worse than the disease, isn't there? Because you've got the enormous damage that is being done to the economy. Um, and that in itself will lead to deaths uh, and a lot of uh, hardship and devastation, don't you think? Yeah, I can, I can see that. It's, it's difficult, though, because the economy is a lot less a direct way of uh, affecting someone life and, and and endangering them as opposed to directly going out and spreading the coronavirus i guess um it's a different kind of danger i think it's exactly a, it, it's it is it, it is an indirect way but a lot of people have lost their jobs which is obviously leading to a surge in suicide it's leading to a surge in mental health issues uh in depression um but also in 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 the actual just being able to feed families you know i think that the effect on our food banks has been pretty severe this year and uh, a lot of people are not getting treated for cancer um well because cancer they're... any illness, yeah well, yes you're quite right a lot of chronic Ill illnesses are not being people aren't even coming forward with them the number of diagnoses of the, that you'd expect normally to have um has dropped enormously because people aren't going and getting checked out i mean mm. that, that's going to have a big effect too and there's a whole group of people um from coming coming at this from a political point of view and saying you know we are doing immense damage to the economy uh on account of something that really 
is a very mild illness in the young. I mean, this is a disease really that affects people over 50, the worst, but the, really the bulk of people who suffer, suffer badly are people over 75. And it, I, I just wonder whether the tail's wagging the dog here. Um, I just, I can, I can see that, but I also think that, um, that the reason that you just said about the, um, hospitals being overloaded and everything, and therefore people can't get a uh, cancer treatment and, and stuff like that. I just, I think that the only way to, uh, alleviate the pressure that is on the NHS and, um, is to, um, make sure just keep the infection rate as low as possible and the only way to do that is to to lock down until we get the the vaccine out i think yeah so I, mean, I mean then before we go on to vaccine chat i i am in favor of circuit breaking i think that if we were doing one week full lockdown one week fully open that would be a way for the nhs to be able to maintain maintain the amount of uh infected and also not completely destroying the economy. Yeah, because I, mean, I think the problem is, as we've gone into a series of re really long-winded lockdowns, and then uh, partially opening up for a few months, and then going into a lockdown again, it's just, and then now there's a tier system. I, I, I just, it doesn't make sense to me. I feel like we've had the worst of both ends. We've, you know, at least with Sweden, they stuck to one idea. They were like, we're going to go for a herd immunity, but we're going to really go for it. <laughs> and they just didn't lock down at all. Whereas we've been like, mm, let's try this for a little bit. Oh, that hasn't worked. Let's try it. You know, they basically just said that the first lockdown didn't work at all. But that, isn't that the point? Isn't that the point though, that uh, maybe these lockdowns don't really work? I mean, you, you don't, they just delay the inevitable because the only way of curing a pandemic is herd immunity. That's either herd immunity acquired organically by catching the disease or herd immunity uh, via vaccine. Yeah, but we've had a considerable amount of death because of overwhelming the NHS. So at least if they're going to do lockdown, they could have done they could have done the circuit breaking, which would have allowed the NHS to stay on top of the infection rate, but also not have completely destroyed the economy, which is like we've said is another killer. And it's, it feels like we've had the worst, the worst of both ends of the spectrum because we've completely screwed the economy. And we've also had one of the worst death rates in the whole of Europe. But not as you, you, know? just, you, you asserted that that was due to the overwhelming of the NHS. I don't think that's true. We've had well, 60,000 plus. Yeah, but that, it wasn't because the, uh, the, the NHS was never over, overwhelmed. And in fact, that's, those, not true. The nighting, that's not true. The Nightingale hospitals that were put in place were never used. Um, so... I don't think it's true at all that we didn't have a, we didn't have enough um, ventilation machines. I don't think there's any evidence at all that I've heard that a single person died through lack of being having access to a ventilate, ventilator. I, if you can produce that, I would be very very interested to see that. But I don't think that's the case. So for that point to be continued, but obviously the other problem is that there's a 
a large amount of people, Mishka, excuse me. I mean, <laughs> there's a large amount of people not willing to take the vaccine. There's a dog on the podcast. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> but um, um, what, where, what, where you are right uh, is that if you point to Italy, their um, health service was clearly overwhelmed. Clearly overwhelmed. Sorry. And what, what that could have happened here. So, you know, I, I, I buy that argument that we were successful in averting an overwhelming of the NHS. But, you know, I still wonder whether we're just, whether we are all the time just delaying the inevitable because this, this virus has to spread in order for us to build up the, immune, the, you know, the herd immunity that's necessary. Can I tell you something that's not really uh, helpful to this discussion at all, but it does relate to it. Um, I had a tarot reading for the first time on Friday and I asked about whether COVID would be, um, whether we'd get on top of COVID in 2021. And um, my answer was no. So I'm not saying I believe in tarot or, or I'm, I'm not saying I am or I'm not, but let, let, I'm, I'm intrigued. Is this following the science, Ben? <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of research to prove that constellation works, and tarot is just a form of constellation. Yes. So mm. be very careful what you say because your oldest daughter is very good at constellation work. Yes, okay, well, I will be very careful then <laughs> <laughs> since I'm frightened of her. Um, so she's amazing, she is amazing, she is amazing. Um, so what about so? What about the vaccine? Because obviously the, the, the news about the, the, the two vaccines, the one that has been approved and the one that is likely to be approved very shortly. I mean, obviously, this is terrific news. There's but loads there, of them. There's not uh, just two. There's a load of vaccines. No, but there are two, there's one that's already approved, the first one in the year. In the to UK, be, yeah. Yeah, approved in the UK. First one that's been approved by any regulator in the world. Um, and then the next one is likely to be follow very hard on its heels, the Oxford one, uh, which has a lot of other benefits because it doesn't have to be, you know, put in cryogenic conditions. Um, and you Yeah, so it's really tricky because you have to have two injections 21 days apart and they have, it has to be stored at minus 70 degrees centigrade. Yeah, this is the AstraZeneca one though, right? Yeah. Yeah. The Pfizer, no. The no, the Pfizer one, one. sorry. The, the, the yeah. AstraZeneca one is the Oxford one. Is that right? I don't know. I've only, I've only, this, the one that I'm talking about is the one that they made the announcement on last Thursday or Friday. Yeah. No, the one, the one that right. is, whenever it was, yeah, the no, one that they had a big announcement about. And so, and they said, the government said that what they were, their plan was is to save the, they don't have enough of the vaccine yet. They don't have enough, um, whatever you call it, like injections, <laughs> have enough, enough of it for the whole of the UK. So they're the first batch they are, are going to be giving to people that are 80 and older. And they said, therefore, it'd be best to save the second batch to go to the same group 21 days later. Yeah, that does make And my friend works in local government, and she has said that her local government have only been able to start booking in vaccine distributing areas. You know how you have, you have like... Um, areas where you know local people can go up and queue and wait to have the vaccine until april so actually i think that we're looking at the whole of next year 
to be able to distribute this vaccine. And, and also the other thing they said in the announcement is that everyone needs to take it and they need to take it when they're offered it because that will have a massive impact on us getting rid of the virus in the UK. Yeah, but there's, there's these surveys that say that uh, as many as 35% of people are, are, are saying they won't take it. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm kind of sympathetic to anti-vaxxers. <laughs> Me and Ben are going to fall out. <laughs> how can you be sympathetic? How can you be sympathetic? Why are you sympathetic? Yeah, thank you. Because question. I, I'm sympathetic because I have an autoimmune disease, but I'm not being treated treated with immune suppressants, which means my immune system doesn't work effectively when I'm gi- being given a uh, like a vaccine. So mm. there's a lot of science to prove that actually people that are most vulnerable are going to really struggle with this vaccine. Well, that, um, that's, it, could, that's... it could actually trigger um, autoimmune responses. Um, so in the early stages of the research, someone actually had this vaccine and it caused um, demyelination of the, of the something sheath, the myelin yeah, sheath. Myelin sheath your, yeah. Your, yeah. And that is exactly the kind of disease I have. And it's actually, I'm not, a mono, I'm not in the minority of people that have that problem. Auto, autoimmune diseases are really prevalent, um, but a lot of people don't know that they have them. And the ones that are lucky enough to have had the diagnosis don't know very much about their disease. So I'm sympathetic to vulnerable people being scared to take the vaccine. Um, mm. So that is 60 plus, you know, people that are 60 and older and people that are just dealing with, who are just chronically ill. Um, yeah. Well, that, that, that's and, where... And also... Sorry, go on, Ben. Well, I, just on your point on that, on your um, immunodeficiency disease, is that, is that, am I using that term correctly? Yeah, yeah that's fine. Um, is that the whole idea of the vaccine is to build up um, herd immunity in people that do not have, have this problem. Um, and so that they... they prevent people like you who cannot get the maybe cannot get the vaccine or or are afraid to get the vaccine because the, if the majority have the vaccine they cannot spread spread the spread covid and therefore you will not uh, get it and that's why getting the most amount of people possible um to have the vaccine is going to be beneficial to people with uh, immunodeficiency diseases i think the number is 80 if 80 percent of people in England get the vaccine it creates a herd immunity for COVID and therefore people who are vulnerable um, who may, might not be able to get the vaccine will be will be safe from it and will not need to because everyone else will. But further, further, further I would say further than that uh, there's a distinction to be made for people who uh, object to taking the vaccine for valid reasons which is what uh, Littletone has just mentioned a valid reason. Another mm. valid reason would be being pregnant. Yeah. Um, so th- there's a distinction to be made uh, about those people as opposed to people who are anti-vaxxers per se. And I don't think that I, I can't find a sympathetic bone in my body for those people. Um, because... I mean, if you consider diseases, which, I'm, which for people like you two, you have no uh, memory of, 
which I do, like polio, mm. was an absolutely awful, awful, frightening, terrifying disease, uh, which was eradicated by, virtually eradicated by the introduction of vaccine. A, a smallpox would be another one. Well, well, measles. We were measles, we, measles was almost extinct. I think at the, the turn of this century, but it was it, we've lost our herd immunity to it because of the anti-vaxxers and people refusing to get uh, the measles uh, vaccine, meaning um, that it, we no longer have herd immunity to it, and it, it is uh, it would have been extinct by now if we if people had continued getting vaccinated. But don't you the think they were? Don't, I know you're saying you don't feel sympathetic. But don't you think that the lack of trust in the government pays a big part in why people don't want to take this vaccine? The fact that they've lost trust in our government? Well, no, no. I mean, I think I just think it comes from a, 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 a totally unscientific place. I mean, you, you know. Well, no, because with the flu there, vaccine, there are people in the world that think the people in the world that argue that you know we never landed on the moon and you know stupid things like that, um, and you can't move them. You simply cannot move them from their position. It doesn't matter what evidence you put before them. You won't move them from there. Another one is that idiot who is bro- who's, who's, uh, Jeremy Corbyn's brother, you know, who's, who was recently um, convicted for or found guilty of, you know, dis- disobeying the rules, uh, who, who absolutely insists that, you know, the vaccine is some sort of plot against humanity and, you know, <laughs> You can't. You'll never move these people. Well, I don't. I don't but think. But it's that a, you, They are I don't a think menace. You make a joke out of people That's being skeptical about the government. I never no, made you're, a you're joke. Them... I, I feel very serious about it. I, <laughs> the last thing yeah, I feel is there's any levity. White. It's just. It's not that black and white, Dad. Because you, you can be. The you... government lies all the time. The government has been found out left, right, and centre for doing. You know, dodgy deals. All governments. Exactly, exactly. So the fact that people feel untrusting is a serious problem. And and they've caused that. The government have caused that. There is no, they don't have a good reputation anymore. Because you can be skeptical, though, for the the right reasons, I I would say, though. Like, like, there's a, there's a, yeah, but but it all depends on the, on the reasoning behind uh, why you're skeptical. Like, these, there, there's a large uh, group, or maybe maybe they're a loud loud minority. I don't know, but that believe that the COVID vaccines are sort of tracking device for the government to track all of us. And hmm. these the same people are, are, are tweeting from their iPhones that that have. Yeah, but the you're, Defense you're saying, Department have already said that they can track our iPhones like that. With the same respect, with the same respect, we're already being tracked, like you said. So it's yeah. not. It's not. It's not total paranoia if you think about the fact that people have unknowingly been tracked for ages with face recognition on their iPhone and CCTV everywhere. So it's not, you know, it's not unjust irrationality. No, but that what, is already happening. What, what the, you know, we, even, we even spoke about it in our um, podcast about race where we were talking um, um, uh, with your friend dad in America about her daughter who had face recognition you know, to find out where she lived, to tell her that she was banned from the shopping area, but they couldn't actually prove that she'd actually stolen anything, mm. you know? So, and, and um, you know, we've, it's just been proved that on our iPhones, they are actually listening to our conversations so that they can send us targeted ads, you know? So it, it isn't, 
I don't think it's fair to act as if people are like irrational idiots that are just paranoid when actually we are subject to the to so much censorship and so much CCTV and um, you know uh, what what do you call it artificial Failing. intelligence that, that is way way beyond our our ability to know you know we we are being traced everywhere you, you know there is a massive group of people that only will buy using cash because they're so terrified of how easily we're tracked by using you know debit cards and Mishka, stop kicking your collar. <laughs> they can hear you. Um, you know, people don't even want to be using banks and debit cards and stuff like that because it literally everything, you're, you are mapped out everywhere you go all the time. So I don't think it's paranoia, basically. I, no, but, I think but that the, it the, the, totally the problem is justified. that these people are putting society at large uh, at risk uh, by, uh, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not advocating that vaccin vaccinations should be mandatory. I think it should still be a matter of choice. Uh, but I, I do think that, you know, producing ridiculous um, assertions uh, uh, to, to, to persuade, yes, they are ridiculous assertions to, 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 to persuade people. To no, this is a conversation. It's not, it's not, they are ridiculous. They aren't. It's a conversation. So it's actually. Well, it I is, it is ridiculous. To use Ben's example, that it's some kind of, um, what did you say, Ben? That the people. Tracking device. Tracking and I've device. just I've just explained to you that it's not unjust for people to feel that way when we are tracked all the time. Well, okay, so why not say it's in milk too? You know, why not, it could be in the milk. You know, it could be maybe well, they're putting it in the water. Out, maybe we've just found out that in the milk there is loads of stuff. We know that there are um, hormones. We know that there are pesticides, and these things are killing us. Well, yeah, and you choose not to. You choose not health, to have that, milk for that reason. Yeah. And this is a matter of health. Milk literally can kill us because it has pesticides in it and hormones. But we're talking so about a pandemic here, Tony. We're talking about a pandemic. Pandemic and pandemics have the potential for for, for wiping out our species. If we're in a pandemic anyway, because of the way people are living anyway, we're in a health. This the resolution there's a difference between to the pandemic. dying slowly, die slowly by eating all of these pesticides and these awful things that give you cancer. Or you can die quickly by choosing not to have a, a vaccination. Well, no, you you're not. Die because you you can, take the vaccination. You can choose that, but but uh, in in making these choices and persuading other people not to have it, you're putting a lot of other people at risk. Just like people who, who won't vac vaccinate their children and they go into into school, and therefore whooping cough and things like that get spread to children unnecessarily. I mean, but, yeah, I, but, but people are, are putting themselves at risk anyway by going to work and keeping the economy going so that people like you and I can stay at home and be safe. Yeah, what were you going to say, so, Ben? Ben was going I, to say. Well, I, was just, I was just going to say that it's, it's, not, it's not just a case of uh, whether they get vaccinated or whether they're not. It's not just they're protecting themselves so that they can choose whether or not to protect themselves. There, there might be people like you who have an autoimmune uh, disease who want to get vaccinated and cannot. And the only way that they're going to be safe from getting COVID is by people like us, maybe not yourself because you have an autoimmune disease, but people like me who, who is healthy, getting uh, the vaccine and preventing it from being spread further. So it's not just a case of saving yourself or choosing not to save yourself. It's saving other people as well. 
I understand what you're saying. And personally, I would still choose to take the vaccination because I believe that by making the choice to not take it, I would be excluding myself from public events. And I don't want to do that. I don't think that I can continue to live and be excluded from interacting with other human beings. It would be really, really tricky for me. So I think it's down to everyone. But I have a problem with people being, with people saying, that's ridiculous. What idiots? Because it's not that easy. It's not that simple. It's a really complicated conversation. And I, I think that the, you know, the question of health is so much bigger than just a vaccination. It's about the way that our society works as a whole already at the moment, how we choose to, to um, feed ourselves, what medicine we take or don't take, you know, whether we have a holistic approach, how much exercise we do, um, you know, what our personality is like, like I'm, I'm a warrior. So that means I'm more prone to having mental health issues or, you know, like it's, it's such a big question. And I don't think that it's as simple as just saying you're, you're an effing idiot because you don't want to take a vaccine. Okay. Well, that was fascinating guys. We've gone uh, quite a bit over our um, usual 30 minute slot. So I need to bring it to an end here. Uh, but thank you both very much. Having uh, seen you on your professional um, uh, microphone, uh, Ben, and hearing that you yourself um, may be launching a podcast, uh, I think <laughs> it will be very successful and I would love to thank listen you. to it. So please keep us uh, informed and we'll let our listeners uh, know about that as well. Uh, thank you both very much. That was an interesting uh, discussion. Very interesting. Uh, we, of course... Um, Dear listener, would love to hear your views on, the, on this issue. Uh, it's a very, very, very important issue for our species now. Uh, as we hear you know, news coming from America, particularly from California, of a big spike in infections there. Uh, our infection rate is going down here in the UK, but who knows what uh, this re relaxation over the Christmas period will bring. Certainly very... Uh, horrific scenes of people in London congregating uh, without any uh, heed to uh, the rules about social distancing and so on. So let's hope that uh, let's hope that we are spared uh, a major spike, uh, and I, we hope everybody here um, keeps safe um, as we come up to this uh, lovely time of the year of Christmas. So thank you all very much indeed. Do uh, you know what to do in terms of commenting on our Facebook page, uh, sending us messages and so on, and we do always love to hear from you. Thanks all very much. It's goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. Thank you all <laughs> very much. Bye. Bye.